Today's date is December 29th, 2023, and this is episode 53 with Eric Ferguson. Hi, punks. Going to school, huh? Yeah. Why don't you play fish hooky and come fishing with us? Yeah, boy. They're sure biting. Get thee behind me, Satan, and don't push. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went to the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, his father, he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil keep to Jesus through the temple of Montapa. And he said, if you are the son of God, the father is a golden drop. A the scripture says that angels will slow you falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil gave to Jesus to a mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below. And the devil gave to Jesus, you can have all that you see. If you will just bow down and worship me. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord. Hello and welcome everyone. This is an official Godcast. Thank God it's the last Friday of 2023. 2024, right around the corner. You ready? Mary's ready. My name is Ron Johnston. I'm here with Mary Cameron. And tonight, giving his testimony, our special guest, Eric Ferguson. Hello, Mary. Hello. How was your Christmas? It was good. Just in case nobody caught my last name last time, they can catch it this week. <laughs> yeah. 
cat's out of the bag. Shame, shame. Everyone knows right. your name. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I had a good Christmas. Um, looking forward to New Year's too. So what about you? I had a eventful Christmas. It was great to see family. It was great to get rest. Did you uh, crash something again? I crashed nothing. Okay. <laughs> I'm keeping it between the lines this week. Okay. You? So what was your eventful Christmas? My eventful Christmas? Yeah, we all want to know. Oh, geez. It's just fun being with my boys. Um, you know, you, you think back of the memories of when you're a kid and ripping up open all them presents. Um, it's more fun watching yeah. other people open presents. Oh, it's always been more fun for me to watch other people open presents. Um, yeah, I don't really like to receive presents, to be honest. <laughs> people always say, what do you want for Christmas? Don't get me anything, but what do you want? <laughs> yeah. like, I always feel like I have everything I want, I need, and I want, which is just my family. And who needs anything more than that? I got my family. I got Jesus. I'm good. What well, about all uh, you presents? And that way they wouldn't, you would be locked into having to open it. <laughs> yeah. What about like, um, we got coming up here next week. So we got, we got new year's Eve. So what about, um, resolutions? Do you do resolutions? Well, I don't call them resolutions. Um, only because it seems like you tend to go a few weeks and then if you don't make them, then you feel guilty and mm. all these kinds of things. So what I have done in the past, and I haven't done it this year yet, but I, that's something to think about. I'm glad you reminded me is I like to just pray on the word for the year mm. that you know, God will give me a word for the year. Yeah, and nice. um, I've got that idea from a, another friend of mine a few years ago. So we'll see what um, God has to say about it. And, and, you know, I, that'll come to mind, you know, it has in the past during the year. And um, it's just a little nudge from God, you know. That's wonderful. Yes. It's a good idea. Yep. I should do that instead of what I'm doing. What are you doing? A resolution? Well, yeah, I, th I thought of one a couple weeks ago. Um, I and I don't normally do this. But I, I set a resolution that I would I would lose ten pounds. What for? Well, are you kidding me? If you guys knew, if you could see Ron, you would be like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm 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 starting to. Where are you going to lose ten pounds from? I'm kind of built like a hair. pair nowadays. <laughs> you can't lose ten pounds of your hair. The problem is the problem what? is two weeks ago I set this. New Year's resolution, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And then last week came and I'm, I got 20 pounds to go. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I went the wrong well, direction, 10, 10 pounds. pounds and gave it to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a tough week. Well, it doesn't show. You can't tell. Well, no, you're just, just saying looking that. at me from my shoulders up. I look, I look real skinny up here, don't you I? Are skinny. <laughs> you are skinny. <laughs> Like six, what, four and I'm, I'm six, four, two, 10. That's skinny. Six, four, two, 10. And, uh, the, see, the thing is, is when I'm under 200, I feel a lot better. You know, I have less ankle problems and knee problems. Cause you know, once you start getting up in these ages, all this extra weight just hurts down below. So 
I, I just got to try and thin it off a little bit. I think I could yeah. lose 30 pounds if I cut one of my legs off. Maybe I'll try that. Then I'll be under 200. I'll be like 190 with one leg. That's all right, though. Yeah, that's a solution. I'll feel better. <laughs> Eric's shaking his head. Let's welcome our guest before we lose him. <laughs> He's about ready to run. He's like, what did I sign up for? This is nuts. <laughs> Eric, welcome, brother. Never, How are you? Ever. Not too bad. It's a blessing to be with you both. Wow. Thank you. That's very it, sweet. It's kind of nice to see being on the sending end of this rather than the receiving end in chat. Yeah, that's a little different, huh? It's definitely enjoyable. And uh, you got any resolutions, Eric? Do you do the resolution thing? No, I, I don't do the resolution thing. That's smart I've, money right there. I've never been a part of that because it's, I, I've always had a problem with a lot of things where luck comes into play and where gambling comes into play. And when you think of a New Year's resolution, you're gambling with fate that you are going to be able to complete something that 90% of the time you're not going to. Yeah. yeah. Play the numbers. Eric, thank I, I just saved, I just saved the disappointment for later. <laughs> and, uh, who, who bullied you to come on here and, uh, give your Mary smiling <laughs> already. She already knows. Did, tell me how this went down. Did she put you in a headlock? Was it a, you have your arm behind your back? Actually, she did a suplex and threw me over the top rope. <laughs> that's, that's my Mary. God love her. <laughs> no, the, the true story behind it, as I was talking to Mary earlier, I'm like, I was sitting here looking at the future God or future official Godcast people. So I could put, I actually put you guys in my calendar every week to make sure I know who's there. I'm going to be there as much as I can and to support the people within the chat. And I was sitting here going, well, we got this person here, this person here. And then the, the, the line for this date says your name here. And I'm like, your name here, my name there. Yeah, why not? So I got on, we were talking in one of the Kilted chats and I go, I I told Mary, I go, I've got a person for your uh, 29th spot on the Godcast. And she goes, who? And I said, me. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. That I was like a great it. idea, Ron, about the, your name here. Oh, thanks. That was so. one of my few good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. We're before, uh. Well, before we get into but your test, yeah, I, I just call it a God thing because when I saw that, it was just that simple fact of my name, whose name, my name. Yeah. That sounds like, a, that sounds like a good idea. It was oh, absolutely man. a God thing. I love it. We're glad you're here. I love it. I can't wait. Man, I really love how God works, especially here in this space. It's really been amazing. Um, if we could reflect back on the on the year that Mary and I have had, I'd, I don't have many negative things to say. This overall has just been incredible. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, God seems to protect this little space. Thank you, God, for so. being there throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yep. There might be a lot of chaos going on 
outside of this, but it seems to be a good, peaceful place of healing and encouragement and joy and sometimes some tears, and that's okay too. And lots so, of prayer. Yeah, lots of prayer. Speaking of which, I just got a prayer request from Kitty to Karen for Jesus. Kitty to Karen, yeah. we love you. And uh, she's asked to pray for a friend of hers, good friend of hers, Cheryl, who is in Washington. And uh, she has a lot of faith, but she's hurting right now. She's having a difficult time coping with normal daily tasks without breaking down and shutting down. So that's Kitty would like to ask for us to pray for Father to lift her up. And yes, Karen, we'll, we'll do that for you after our show. Mary's going to jot that down now and, and we will. Is that in the chat? It is. It was early in the chat and I grabbed it. I saw it. If you wouldn't mind doing that again, Karen, and tagging me, that would be great. Thank you. I'll catch it. I'll take a screenshot. Okay. He caught, Ron caught it with a force. He did. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking a little That's Star just, Wars before the uh, yeah, Godcast here. He's surrounded by Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. No, it's not. It's a passion. Well, to be honest, I got into a little thing where it it, it started um, becoming too much of my life. And you know what the Bible says about having idols, putting things before Christ. So I got God smacked, straightened me out. Still have some toys to play with, but they're not as involved in my life as Jesus is anymore. It's a good thing. And gotta love those God smacks. But every time I walk in here, I'm like, I, 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 I feel like that. I still feel the God smack is like when Dad punished you so hard, you like you never forget about it. Every time I walk in here, it's like my tail goes between my legs. <laughs> like I was bad. I was bad. <laughs> But the other side of the coin is you still have your constant reminders to remind you of that. So thank you, Eric. Yes. That's also a good thing yeah. because my new constant reminder for me is I have a Bible in every room now hmm. and every time, and they are in places where you see them in the dining room. Actually, I'll, I'll just spin you around so you can see it right there on my countertop. There are five Bibles because I've been doing some research. Very nice. Wow. But I, I've started to learn. I've got one on my side table next to my bed. I've got one on the end table in the living room. I've actually got one in the cabinet on the kitchen. So every time I open up the spice cabinet, my Bible's right next to my spices. I've got one in the canning room and I've got one in the laundry room. Beautiful. Yeah, you, you never know when you may need to grab one of those things, you know? Just keep them around every room well, in case of emergency. It gives me that aspect of the fact that at any moment, God will give me a word. And instead of running to one specific place where we have our reading nook, where all the rest of the books are, yeah, I actually have one in every room and 90% of the time they're within arm's reach. Yes. Mary's awesome. smiling. She loves that. I do. I do. I love the Bible. Greatest book ever created. That's right. That's the plan. Okay, we're going to get started. Um, before your testimony, we do an opening prayer. 
uh, for those listening, you know, I'd normally do it. Eric has asked to do the uh, opening prayer and uh, we're going to have Eric pray for us here. So if you could, please, let's all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this blessed union of family where we get to come together, we get to impress our lives and visualize the things that we have done and put them out there to others. I usually do this special prayer for my testimony for the simple fact that I am calling upon you, Lord Jesus, to strengthen my resolve, to give me the words that are needed for somebody in this group tonight to know my story that there is no other than you that can bring us through these days and put us right as we walk off the path and we come back and it's always in that grace that you give us the opportunity to come back to be strengthened within you as I go forward with my testimony, I ask you to strengthen my words, give me the words to speak, to reach those who are dying to hear something to bring them to you. I say this all in the plus, precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Oh, it, it's an honor. And thank you, Ron, for letting me. I know it's your faux pas. So I, oh, man. Thank you. I, thank you for that capability. I, I only do it because I'm the only one here. <laughs> we, you guys remember Burke? He was my prayer guy. And, uh, and when he left, I, I had a, I just had to step up. So, you know, I'll do the prayer, but I, um, I absolutely love, I think we've had a couple of guys that have done the opening prayer and, and, um, I, I love that, man. I love when you step in and say, I want to do the prayer. You know, I, I love when people step in and say, I'm going to do the work. I want to work for God. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, that's something that um, Mary and I really want to encourage with everyone. And that's why you're here, because you're one of those guys that just step up. And we love it, man. We love it. We absolutely love it. For anyone else who's looking to do their testimony, please don't forget us. Um, please come on and give us an email. Uh, you guys can reach out to Mary or myself directly, but if anyone out there is looking to give their testimony, please join us. You can email us at this is an official godcast at gmail.com. And please don't forget for everyone who's anyone who's in the live audience, thank you for being here, first of all. But if you have any prayer requests, please just tag Mary or myself, and Mary will pray for us at the end of the show. What am I missing, Mary? Nothing. I can't okay. wait to get to Eric here. Yeah, I missed some announcements, but we're just going to skip those. We're going to do them at the end of the show, okay? Yeah, yep, that's good. Perfect. Okay. That means you all got to stick around. That's right. <laughs> or else you won't know what's going to happen next week. That's right. You'll, You'll be, be coming in dark. blind. <laughs> okay. Thanks, all right, man. Eric. Uh, we're going to hand the floor over to you, brother. Your time to shine. Uh, my time to be humble. I don't like the terminology shining. There's yeah. only one person in our life that is our shining light. And for right now, it's not me. It's just me being humble enough to lay it all at his feet and let people know who I am. And some of the most intimate details of who I am are some of the scariest that I've had to grow up with. And 
I guess I'll start at the beginning where everybody should start. Um, I was born September 19th, 1979 to Eric and Elizabeth Ferguson. Um, I was then accompanied by two siblings after that, uh, Patricia and Linda. And life growing up was in, in that time a little rough for me because you always get the, the feeling that you have something out there, but you don't know what it is yet. And it, it's pretty fun. Um, having to be abused by two younger sisters who always got their way with everything and the, the waterworks came and all that type of stuff. And life was good. Um, I grew up with a father that was a soldier and um, a mother that was one of the most caring, loving individuals up until my teenage years. Um, with dad being in the military, I didn't know my dad until I was about eight years old. Um, he was always gone. Um, at the time we were still in Arizona and dad was stationed in Fort Hood, Texas. And we would go visit him for holidays and stuff like that when he couldn't get away. But at the time, military was his life. And I was at that point raised by my grandfather and next to Christ. This is the absolute greatest man I have ever met in my life because I wouldn't be what I am if it wasn't for my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, even to the fact, I'll throw a little story in before I continue, that when I was about uh, nine or ten I, I had an absolute affinity for baseball growing up, and so did my grandfather, because my grandfather was originally from Pennsylvania, and he actually played for the Pittsburgh Steel League, which before it was the MLB, it was the Pittsburgh Steel League, and all the Steel Leagues would get together and play against each other. So cool. my grandfather got to know people like George Herman Ruth, Lefty Grove, Shoeless Joe Jackson all that type of fun stuff. And my grandfather played catcher and lo and behold, I got into baseball and I played catcher and knowing my grandfather and the stories he told me about, uh, George Ruth, he, um, would tell me about the, he would point to the outfield. And every time I got up to the plate, knowing I wasn't going to hit a home run, I still pointed to the outfield because it's just that it's just that confidence. And it, it was a great thing. But one day before my grandfather actually gave me a real baseball bat, I'd go running around the yard hitting rocks with a stick. And unfortunately I was hitting rocks with a stick and that stick came out of my hand and pelted my grandfather right in the jaw and broke his dentures. And my heart sank. That man was more to me in this world than any other man that's been in this world when I was that age. He was my rock. And to hurt him scared me half to death. How old were you when this happened? I was about 10 years old. Oh, wow. And you still remember it to this day. Wow. 
Well, when you hurt somebody you love, it becomes one of those scars within you that you cannot forget, which brings me to the biggest scar of my life that leads into the the even bigger scar in my life. <clears throat> so as I'm growing up, um, I didn't really find my relationship with God till I guess I was about 12, 13. And then unfortunately, I immediately left that relationship with God or basically hid from it at that time because um, I ended up being abused when I was a child um, and it absolutely sucked. I mean, there's a lot of people that have the sexual abuse stories and it, it, it's really, it really defined me at that time to the point where I ended up molesting both of my sisters. And now coming to realize everything today um, with Linda, which is my uh, middle sister, her and I no longer have a relationship. Her and I haven't spoken in 20 some years because I destroyed that bond between her and I when we were kids. And Patricia, my youngest sister, um, we have our communication, but every time her and I talk, um, over, um, Skype or over zoom or in person, I went down for Christmas a couple years ago and to visit my mom and dad and my sisters. And you can just see it in the eyes. I don't know if it's physically her eyes or if it's my eyes seeing through her eyes, the curse of what I did to them. And there was actually absolutely no excuse for it. And to this day, it, it still makes me sick and just thinking about it. But the other side of the coin is now that I've gotten stronger in my faith in the last 10 years i've been able to release myself of that burden and give it to christ because it's it's no longer mine to share and it it, it still destroys me but then i have to remember the fact that i am no longer in control of that situation and it's just the evils throughout this world trying to get back into my mind and it's like no you you've got no control anymore good luck it's over with because i'm getting stronger and stronger in my faith and as we move further down that line um my dad's home a hundred percent by this time about the uh age of around 11 12 and my sisters are getting um Personally, much more intolerable around the 16, 15, 16 year range and everything I did um, 
I was basically either punished by them or punished by my parents for it because I felt so guilty at that point that um, I, I basically was like the um, after you someone beats their dog, it just cowers in the corner. And by that point, when it came to my sisters, I was cowering in the corner because it it was basically for me self-destructive um i mean at the smallest inkling of making my sisters mad they ran to my parents and then i ended up getting the belt from my dad for the most minuscule things because i'm not supposed to pick on my sisters i'm not supposed to do this but in the background of my mind i'm sitting here if only you knew the at that time the monster that i was it it was horrible and yeah my excuse back then was it happened to me and it it didn't matter if i did it to somebody else and did your, did I, your parents know at that time not at that time they didn't find out till my sophomore year of high school because uh, my middle sister had a slumber party with a couple of her friends and uh, she told one of her friends and that's how I got caught was her friend went to school and told the counselor and same time that that morning was when apparently they had the conversation and then that afternoon i was in handcuffs and i was processed the only saving grace at, at what in this age? whole issue um sophomore in high school okay would have been about yeah 14 15 maybe 15 yeah. 15 i think i was now did your parents know what happened to you at this point no okay no i the reason my parents didn't know much is throughout growing up my dad was a little more physically abusive than a normal um spanking it was Sometimes it got intense because um, the early ones, I would just try and run and cry. But as I got older and was physically being able to match my dad strength for strength, it used to start getting a little more brutal than that. And when he looked at me and gave me the terms that if you think you're man enough, feel froggy and jump. And I jumped and I paid for it. Oh, yeah. And it was it was fine. I mean, my dad was a hard man, but I learned what I shouldn't do from it. And the other <clears throat> on my mom, it it was at that time my mom was a bartender and she was never home in the evening at all because she would go to work at about five in the evening and not come home till one, two, three o'clock in the morning. 
And if she did come home, she it was always like two or three o'clock in the morning and she was very inebriated because she would take her day's stress out after work. And if you're a bartender at a bar, it's not that hard to yeah. acquire your vice. Yeah. But it was tough growing up and in I mean we all went through our normal childhood stuff. I was out getting in trouble with friends and blowing things up with firecrackers and shooting my mom's china with a BB gun when I shouldn't do it and all that type of fun stuff where dad came down like a hammer most of the time and being a military guy, uh, discipline and punishment was part of the nature, which brings me to my military career after that, because I decided years and years growing up, I played with army men. I did the uh, Lone Ranger stuff, loved guns and saw pictures of my grandfather and my dad and my great grandfather. And I knew every time I saw those pictures, I knew what I was going to do with my life. And I was going to be a soldier. And lo and behold, so we're, let's see, I decided to enlist in 2001. And I'm guessing late 1999, um, I was from 16 to 18, I was incarcerated for um, two counts of sexual misconduct with a minor under the age of 18, which was both of my sisters. And I got out of juvenile detention when on my 18th birthday. So I was basically in for about a year and eight months. And they sent me through all the uh, mental evaluations and stuff like that. And um, unfortunately at that time I was, because of my mom's uh desire to have me fix they were allowed to try whatever they wanted to on me as far as narcotics as antidepressants mm. as stuff of that nature and at that time it made while i was there it made me feel so um hollow it there was no feeling whatsoever it, it was like it's like a zombie like detached is yeah. somewhat I've heard that said. Kind of like an out-of-body personality or out-of-body experience in that aspect. Because in my mind, I knew who I was, but I didn't always know what I was doing. No emotion, no nothing. And so I, I'm released on my 18th birthday and I come home. And with, at that time, no actual high school education finished i went to what my greatest love in my life was and that was cooking and my 
I had dreams and aspirations to be a chef and all that fun stuff. And I spent some time at uh, the University of Arizona's culinary arts program through Phoenix College. I mean, it was this big conglomeration. And uh, I ended up meeting now at this time my ex-wife. But um, we ended up... uh, when she walked through the door, uh, her name was Mary, by the way, um, and not the flight work style. She has nowhere uh, hand, nowhere close to to your background, but well, I thought you never I saw. Know. An angel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I thought I saw an angel when I walked when she walked through my door. Um, my sister brought her over, and they had been working together along with my mom um at this time um those actually those uh that year and eight months that i was incarcerated actually sobered my mom up quite considerably because while i was incarcerated my mom actually went to school and got her nursing degree and she became a caregiver uh for uh elder and developmentally disabled individuals and so my sister Patricia and my mom and Mary actually all worked together at the same facility and um, brought her over to the house. And like I said, I thought she was an angel walking through the door. And unfortunately, the terminology ex-wife, I I learned how evil this person could be because I, I'm at this point no longer with her. But uh we spent about a year dating and um, we started talking about commitment and what was happening. And this is where my path actually took a diversion from what I wanted to do to what I felt I should do is because she told me she was pregnant. And I'm like, okay, cool. I, I I was seriously excited. I'm going to be a dad. I can fix all the wrongs that I had growing up and I can be better than my parents for this child. Mm-hmm. And I did. I put everything I had into that relationship. But so this is where my trip leaves me from Arizona to North Dakota is because Mary was from a small town in North Dakota and I should have known something was wrong when she gave me an ultimatum right after Riley was born. And she sat there and said, I'm going back home. I'm taking Riley and you can join me or not. And we weren't married at this time yet. But I'm like, no, I'm Riley's dad. I am going to support what I created because you you can't do things alone. And so we pack up. um, After a year and a half of being together, and Riley is now probably about three months old, and we pack up and move to North Dakota. And... It was a culture shock, honestly, because I've never seen so much snow when I got here because we got here um, in September, uh, into September, early October. 
and there was already probably like two and a half feet of snow on the ground and i haven't seen growing up in arizona i didn't know what snow was unless i went up to the mountains to go see it not at all like it is right now <laughs> well we haven't gotten much snow this year we're we only at like any zero three or four inches and that was like two and a half months ago yeah um so we come back to north dakota and at the time her mom absolutely hated me and her dad was we can make this work so how old were you when i you worked moved? Through, um this is 19 20 years old okay big move so yeah because i joined the military when i was 21 which i'll be getting to that portion in a second okay um so when we moved up here i tried doing odd jobs that i was proficient at because my mom being in the healthcare industry i learned things there because i helped her out a little bit um and then i also because of my culinary arts background i worked it as a bus boy and in a restaurant up here and came to found out north dakota has no calling for a chef or an, or an aspiring chef at that um not at that your, time probably no most of your food here is olive garden and fast food and i chefs don't work at olive garden you cooks work at olive garden so um i bounced around jobs a little bit trying to find what i was good at and after the third job um Basically, Mary's mother and father got together and said, you are not good enough to be a father to this child. And Mary and I were staying in their house at that time. And basically, I was kicked out saying that I'm, I can't hack it. I've had too many jobs. I can't hold a job, so on and so forth. I'm a waste of space. So I actually was forced to leave and that's where my military life started out because <clears throat> i went back to arizona and i was talking to my dad and i was probably in arizona for about uh six or seven months and he he sat there and looks at me and goes well if you can't make it in real life you might be able to make it military and i'm like why not i mean i'll give it a try it's well worth learning something new and so i i went and talked to uh an army recruiter and lo and behold i take my asvab and i score in the top five percentile on the asvab test and recruiter looks at me and goes we can give you whatever job you want except being a priest or being a doctor uh -huh. because you have to have you have to have a degree for those you can't just yeah. walk in yeah. like normal so i sat there and i looked at him and i i go you know i've really had an affinity for war movies and i like watching things go boom so my first job in the military was actually uh, explosive ordnance disposal. I was a bomb <laughs> hunter. 
And very cool. I, I think the reason why I chose that is at that time of my life, I was pissed off. Um, I was taken away from my son. Um, I was taken away from the woman at the time I thought I loved dearly. And I guess you want to say I, I had, I was flirting with death. Yeah. Because it wasn't, I think it was, I think you could call it the premonition of suicide, not an actual suicide, because the adrenaline rush of disarming uh, an IED or a bomb is at the time there was no other adrenaline rush i had at that time that could even compare and it was it was fun to say the least when i started but uh so you were disarming getting, those yeah that was my first career in the military was uh roadside eod like a hurt locker yeah just about uh hurt locker took a lot of liberties with its movie compared to the real life of an eod individual but it's it's a pretty good depiction of what life was like while i was in iraq and doing that type of stuff um my nephew worked in the um engineer he was in the uh well still i guess you never out of the marines but he was a marine in afghanistan and he located the located those things before you guys would come out and was, destroy them well that was actually part of my unit's job as an eod we had enough okay. people within our unit that we actually went out and found them and destroyed them all at the same time awesome um but it it was one of those I was, I was honestly looking for death um, because I knew what type of monster I was. I was trying to fix that situation of my past, but Riley at that time was the most important thing in my life and having him taken away from me, I'm like, sure, sign me up. I'll go to the next deployment. When is it? How fast? How soon can I get out of here? And it it was rough because um to back up just a little bit i went through basic training and um staying in contact with mary as much as possible and i actually come back from basic training and because at this time i had made something of myself um Mary's mom decided to become a little bit more relaxed on who I was because it, and the funny thing is now to this day, Mary's mom and I have a better relationship than Mary's dad and I, because I don't know what stories were told to him about what I may or may not have done, but dads always love their daughters unfortunately more than they love their sons and it's a simple fact that if it was my daughter i'd believe whatever she said too without a um without a thought of recourse for whatever it was yeah did they and also know what what about your past 
no. they might have they might now because i was open and honest with mary and i told her what i had done i couldn't before we got married i couldn't have any skeletons in my closet with her but here's how it turned out down the road um right after i got back from uh basic training her and i were married and four months later i got my wish i got sent over to iraq and what was i doing having fun with flirting with death over and over and i think that's the literally pun intended the first impact I had in realizing that I'm here for a purpose was I was actually blown up twice. And uh, the first time I was blown up inside our bomb detecting vehicle and nothing happened to me, but a bloody nose, bloody ears and a concussion. And they took me out of the field for a week and I recuperated myself, got back to it, and then went back out again. And the second time was when we actually lost our first soldier while we were over in Iraq from my team. Um, specifically, uh, we were in our vehicles covering support for our forward element. And an actual IED went off on the truck in front of me. Wow. And um, I watched uh, Sergeant Dennis Morgan um, being pulled from that truck. And um, I was the one who actually had to perform um, the casualty procedures because I was the closest CLS to him, which is combat lifesaver, uh, medically trained for um, quick response before the medics would actually get there. And it's the first time in my life I've ever had to pronounce somebody dead at the scene. That's tough. Because he took a um, very jagged, very huge piece of concrete about the size of a softball uh, right to his chin. And it, at that point in my life, um, I can only say by the grace of God, I was saved twice because three seconds later, and I was in the same position in the vehicle he was when that IED went off. And it, it's one of those one. it's where I got my, um, I lost my fear of flirting with death because I knew how close and how real it actually was. And I did not want to put my son through that possibility that he would never get to know me. And when we returned from Iraq, I decided to change my MOS and I became a heavy equipment engineer. Still got to play with the explosives, but not explosives that were meant for me but explosives that were meant for taking down bridges and trees and, and all that type of stuff. And I was an engineer 
in and and I also got out of the regular army at that time because I'm like knowing what my dad put me through as a child I didn't want to put my son through that and I decided to after my initial enlistment um in the regular army was up I decided I was going to continue my career in the National Guard so I could still be there for my son and not have to move him from school to school to school every four years when my new contractor duty station came up. But back to um, the story of my ex-wife, because I've, throughout my whole life, I've been a spiritual person. I've been wayward a little bit, but I've been a spiritual person. Uh, I knew who God was. Because I told Mary when we just before we got married, I go, this union is going to be biblical. There are only two ways you will ever be able to get rid of me. And that is if you have the capability of taking my life or having somebody else do it or infidelity, because those are the only two scriptural verses I have ever read in my life that absolve a marriage till death do us part or infidelity and so we're going to speed up from iraq to afghan or to uh, kosovo and um this is where i find out the fact that um let's slow down just a little bit so after my EOD days, I became a heavy equipment operator, and I also became a communication specialist. Uh, I decided to become the commo sergeant for the 957 engineer company out of North Dakota, which um, I learned a lot of things about computers and technology and IT and um, got quite a few good connections within that world, too. and. We had a, uh, my predecessor, the previous commo sergeant from my old unit, um, he ended up falling under the same issue I did where uh, while he was on deployment to Afghanistan for his deployment, uh, his wife cheated on him and he actually found out while he was there. And um, I thought something was really weird when I told Mary that I was going overseas for another deployment because her demeanor changed. And it was actually to that point where it was scary. And um, I knew something was up. So with the connections that I made in the commo field in the military, um, there were some very savvy computer guys that taught me a few things about keeping tabs on people and um I, I guess at that point i got a little bit nefarious and jealous because i could feel something wasn't right when we would talk on the computer um and i basically put some guys to work for me that ended up bugging her emails and found out she over a one-year deployment 
she had um, 11 men in her life. I'll just put it that way. Oh, wow. And when I came home after the Kosovo deployment, and this this is now um, 11 years into her and I's life. We have three children, Riley, Joseph, and Abigail. And I, I at that time, I was trying to fathom the why me. Um, I tried so hard to be the best father I could. I tried so hard to be the best husband I could. I wanted to know what was wrong and what what was wrong with me at that time what did i do wrong to destroy seven or destroy 11 years of relationship and three children and it took me until a few five six years ago to realize exactly what it was that it wasn't the person god actually had for me it was the person i chose for myself and i i still look back to that day before her and i got married and i gave her that ultimatum and i'm like whoa those words had a lot of power because i actually used scripture or God gave me the words through scripture to get her out of my life without me knowing it and correctly get her out of my life. You mean the, the so, scripture about um, biblical divorce being death or infidelity? Yep. Is that what you're talking about? Okay. Because I didn't even realize that till oh, probably 10 years ago when I started reading the Bible really heavy again. and. I, I came across that scripture and I'm like, you know what? This was instilled in me for a reason. And I told it to her for a reason. And it took me that long to figure out it. Everything that happens to us at this point is all in God's due time because I couldn't have put that plan together 11 years. Well, now it's almost 20 years ago. Um, if I tried. Was she a believer? I, um we had our points throughout our relationship where we were going to church she knew i i know she know who god is and what he is but i don't think there is that um father-daughter relationship that she has with god i mean it's more the, the more and more I see um, her life now that I'm on the outside of it, not on the inside of it, that the world has got her held solid. Um, she has a lot of problems in her life that she's had to deal with. And unfortunately, she's um, a psychologist's best friend right now. And I, I'm, 
I have no ill will in any way, shape, or form for what she did because it I I wouldn't be with the most beautiful woman in the world if it wasn't for the situations that were put before me to give me where I'm at. And um it's kind of amazing. And I, I know I've Oh, absolutely. Can we put her in the prayer jar? Oh, absolutely. I would definitely Okay. I would right definitely now. love to know that. Doing it right now. And just so you know, Mary, it's Mary with an I, not a Y. <laughs> you want to know something funny? I used to spell my name that way when I was like in uh might have been sixth or seventh grade because I got tired of how it was spelled. I wanted to be different and whatever. So I started putting M-A-R-I on my all my papers I would turn in. Then the boys at school were like, oh, it's Mary. It's Mary. So then I got this <laughs> nickname, Mary. So some people call say it Mari too, but yep, I get it. So I'm spelling it the right way right now on this little paper putting today's date go ahead can continue um i mean this is unfortunately this is becoming real incoherent but it's the way the words are coming out and the for everybody who's listening the story may be jumbled but unfortunately in my head right now it's making perfect sense and making sense to me that's it's the beautiful words that come out that are given um so that brings us a little bit more to modern day me um i've now been in north dakota um never made the uh chef's position in any place after finding out north dakota didn't have a call for chefs i actually went to school for mechanical engineering and um, became a heating and air technician as well. And I can thank that one to my ex-father-in-law because that's what he does in his life. And I, I still get to talk to the man every once in a while on an occasion, but I'm oblivious to him in the world. And it, it's turned out to be pretty good though, because between my HVAC career and my military career, um, I've gained a wealth of knowledge for the future. Um, I don't like to boast at all. It, it's not me, but as part of a testimony, I can um, elaborate a little bit my skill set military wise and my skill set civilian wise that I can see God has made me an asset for things coming forward. Um, through my take, military, we'll take that as a word. You know why? Because I wrote that down like twenty minutes ago on my notes. <laughs> God placed you in places so you could learn skills that are needed, and it just added to that wealth of knowledge to that note just now. So. Nice. Yeah. Crazy things. 
So starting my military career, I was an EOD, um, then heavy equipment operation, um, then bridge crew member, then counterintelligence, and then signal communications court. So it's plus, I, I always use the adage for joining the military as a joke that Uncle Sam's going to give me free ammunition and a free weapon to shoot it from. What better life can we have than that? (laughs) A boy with big boy toys and I get to blow stuff up for free. I there's, there's no greater gift, but with that being said, um, it brings us back to more modern day military issues. Um, I'm, uh, as everybody should know now, I am retired as of um, July of last year. And I wanted, I honestly wanted to go even longer. I, I saw going, being military for the rest of my life. And, and then the uh, big bad C word COVID came up and I knew something was off, something wasn't right, because when when Uncle Sam spends the money on you to train you to be part of the counterintelligence division, he teaches you things not normal people get to understand. And those are the groups within the, the military that question a lot of things. Why do they do this? Why don't they do this? Why are they doing this? Why shouldn't we be doing this? Why should they be doing that? And all those fun questions that there are a lot more questions than there are answers in the intelligence field. And COVID ended up, I wasn't surprised that it happened, but it did take me um a little bit longer to get the clue at that time of what was going on and actually covid actually cost me my career in the military because i wasn't going to be a guinea pig or a test subject um i I thought the military at that time uh had done that enough to me um and being forced to do something that I didn't feel comfortable with. I tried the religious exemption. Um, Actually, I tried the medical exemption first because I'm allergic to penicillin and um, there is derivatives inside of that that have uh, penicillin notes because of the anti-inflammatories within the injection and so on and so forth. That I tried the medical exemption first, I was denied. So then I went for the religious exemption and um, I have some really good friends that in the North Dakota National Guard that have been my soldiers and are even higher ranking individuals than I retired as. And um, after all the fight I put up with my unit and the medical board for the state and um, the state adjutant general's office, um, they issued me a JAG, which is technically the military's term for lawyer or a judge advocate. And 
after being denied for medical exemption, being denied for religious exemption, because I had their their excuse for it was because on my dog tags, I had non-denominational as my religious preference. And I was told the chaplain that I talked to approved my religious exemption. The battalion commander for my unit denied the religious exemption because of my dog tags saying I am a non-denominational Christian. And so at that point, they gave me the judge advocate. I think God was on my side at this one because uh, I'm going to change his name. Uh, but Sergeant Wallace was actually a soldier of mine 19 years ago. And I spent, oh, probably the better part of seven years as his team sergeant. And before he decided to go to the University of North Dakota and get his law degree and then turn around and become a lawyer or a JAG with the North Dakota Army National Guard. I thought it was really weird because now this young soldier that I had at one time is now a captain about to become a major and he is my technically quote-unquote military lawyer now and uh i give him all my research on covid why i don't want to take it and he goes he looks it and reads it and goes over this and he goes you know did you write this and i gave him a six-page essay on the effects of covid and the effects of the injection and the studies of herd immunity and masks and all this other stuff and i'm like well i got my information from a lot of well-known doctors that i followed at the time and we all know those doctors but i go yeah and he goes you know if i was any judge this would allow any soldier in the united states military to not have to take this injection based on just the research and knowledge that you gave me here but unfortunately he said what i know is that they're not going to allow you to push this forward and if you do continue to push this forward at the rate you are they're going to destroy your career permanently and basically erase you from the mili their military history and he looks at me straight in the face and he goes this is what we're going to do you've got about a year and a half left to your contract you are going to retire and you are going to do everything i say because i am going to bury this paperwork so far up their posteriors that they will not find it till you are retired and that's the first time I ever looked at him and go, I think that's an order that I, I'm willing to take. Because there's a legacy I want to leave for my kids. And 
in the aspect of the soldier that I had become at that time and as much pride and honor I have for wearing that uniform, having a blemish like a dishonorable discharge because of COVID, I wasn't personally going to stand for it. And he gave me that opportunity to be able to finish my career without a blemish on my military record at all, That's which cool. is, which is a huge accomplishment in a soldier's life because I mean, I had a few counseling statements, never, never had an article 15, which is just before having to have uh, a judge advocate in on your behalf and it's it's crazy that as I sit here and talk about my testimony and realize things that I didn't realize before and being able to put those things out, it's absolutely amazing that God put me in situations specifically for his glory in simple aspects. Because if it wasn't for everything that he's put in my life, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Being able to praise his name openly without with being able to say, yeah, I've got scripture here. I've got scripture there. I've got Bibles here, Bibles there. It, it's such an amazing feeling. And so that'll take us uh, pretty current. So it's... I've noticed over the last couple of years, the last four years specifically, um, how my faith has increased and how my relationship has gotten stronger with Kelly, my wife, my most beautiful wife. She's back there smiling at me. She came <laughs> home halfway through this. But no, um, and it, it's been awesome being a part of this um, ecclesia, for lack of a better term, because I I can't call I, I I love the names that people give each other like Bard's Nation and Kilted Christian and Kilted Clan and I've even given a name to um, Conley for the Cook Team. We um, I call us uh, Sammy's Grub Club in honor yeah. of his son. Yeah. yeah. And but we are a true ecclesia in in the most pure form because and and here comes my shameless plug. Um we have our Bible study group. We have our podcast. Um we also have our prayer groups every morning and one of the greatest groups of people I have involved myself in in my life because there is more caring, more compassion, more love and without any type of reserve in the vineyard. It is so beautiful that we get to get together and pray every morning with people throughout this entire nation that have one beautiful 
trophy on their shelf. And that's that empty cross that gives us the capability of being who we are. And it's the family has helped me through the hard times, especially this holiday season. Um, And it just shows me that for us to get through what is happening on this earth, it's our faith in Christ and the love, the absolute shining, unadulterated love of those people who also have the same belief in that light. Um, Most of the family here knows, and if you don't in chat, um, Kelly lost her dad on December 5th. And the vineyard, the kilted clan, everybody in Bard's Nation have been some of the most immaculate prayer warriors. And I mean, Mary can attest to that. In Kelly and I's hardest time, all I had to do was text Mary, dear, I need a prayer. Can you put this out? And I could just feel instantly the relief. And I don't know, honestly, for Flightworks Mary and Nikki Knight, I don't know where my emotional state would have been over the last six to eight months if it wasn't for those two beautiful ladies. Mm. And when you need prayer, they can absolute rally. I mean, even to the point where I'm sitting here listening to Scott talk on Coffee and Jesus, and my prayer is sitting right there for all of Bard's Nation to hear. And it's so amazing, the the heartless love, absolutely beautiful, that is in this family. And Thank you, Eric. I, I wouldn't have it any other way because Bards Fest, I, I got to finally put faces to the names that I have been bantering with for the last four and a half, almost five years now. And <laughs> it was an amazing feeling. And and the blessing in my life currently is I got to bring my wife on that trip to Bards Fest. I was intending to go to the first one. And there were uh, let's just put it simple at that time uh scott was a little brash on his approach to covid and people who took the shots and he basically um my wife was turned off by scott and i told her i wanted to go to bar fest the first one and but I wasn't going without her and she says I'm not going and I'm like okay I guess it's not my time to go to Bards Fest but uh throughout the time we got to go to Bards Fest in Kentucky and I said I am really being called to go to this event and the funny thing is is I was feeling the calling more than I did the first one because I mean, lo and behold, between the vineyard and um, 
Deb, our, our lovely DJ Shaw and JP and Philip, I got to meet all of these wonderful people at Bards Fest. And I got to take my wife with me to this event. And I thank God for Bards Fest for the simple fact that my faith has gotten stronger in my walk with him. My wife's faith has gotten stronger in her walk with him. And I have been enveloped in one of the most beautiful communities that uh, I can only put it as uh, Gideon and the 300. I've been given my 300 warriors to go into battle with. And I couldn't be more pleased with uh, God's selection of warriors I have in front of me and to the left and to the right of me because things are going to get even crazier and this family is amazing. Amen. So Eric, <clears throat> um, so when did you, if speaking on faith, so when did you feel that God kind of broke through into your life? Like, um, you, you mentioned that you, you kind of knew who he was when you were younger and then you had all this, all these things that had transpired, um, up until your military career. But I, do you feel like there was a time where you surrendered your life to God or what were the circumstances behind that? If you want to talk about that. Um, actually, yeah, it's this one's an easy uh relection um i think my strongest faith um what was it it was about three and a half four years ago um we had uh kelly and i had started looking for a church to go to and to try and um i had um uh, scatterbrained on this one um Kelly Kelly was raised Catholic and I was raised Baptist when I was a kid. And I um I never had a real um drawing to faith. Um I I, I truthfully found out faith wasn't for me when I was 19 years old because at 18 I went on a faith walk. Um, I had been reading scripture at, while I was incarcerated and after I got out, I was continuing to do it. And I went on a faith walk looking for where I belonged. Um, I went to a Jewish synagogue. I went to a Roman Catholic church. I went to a Greek Orthodox church. I went to a Mormon tabernacle and a Baptist church, a Methodist church and all that time when I was 18, none of them, I guess, I guess saying the simple fact is none of them could fulfill me the way I know the Bible fulfills me in itself. So it, it wasn't until about four years ago that my faith was shaken. And, and it all has to do with my wife and we're, 
with the job I was working at the time, I was separated from her um, constantly because of work. So I was actually in Fargo, North Dakota, and she was at home here. And we were on a call, a phone call together. And previously in that week, we were talking about faith and how her faith needs to get stronger to equal my faith and, and stuff of that nature. And while I was in the hotel room in North in Fargo, I, I called her in absolute tears and we were talking about our faiths and how much I was worried about the fact that she might not be joining me where I want her to join me when we die. And we needed to work on that. And that was, I guess that would have to be the dagger to my heart moment because it gave me that strength and that faith to reach out to somebody else worried about the fact that they were not, they were saved, but they didn't have that relationship because we, we all know that if we believe that Christ was born, Christ was crucified and Christ rose again, that's the assurance in the Bible that we are saved. But I didn't realize that 100% till then that you, yeah, you are saved. But fortunately, or depending on how you look at it, fortunately or unfortunately, you got more work to do. You don't just get to say, I'm saved. I know Christ did this. He was crucified, buried, resurrected and sits at the right hand of God without having to put something else forward. And so that's where that dagger hit my heart. And I'm like, I've got to make sure she's good. I've got to make sure she knows. And I've got to keep planting those seeds because I can't take her with me when the time happens, but I want her to be with me when the time happens. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to speak what I know to her. And then that has festered from working on planting those small seeds in our relationship to bring us both closer individually and then both, both closer as a couple. And to not only do that, but I've got such the greatest job as an HVAC service technician because I get to go into people's homes. I get to converse with people on a daily basis. I get to be a guiding light for them, whether they know it or not. And it that's four years ago. That's where my faith got really strong. And thanks to Bards Fest, both of our faith has gotten a lot stronger as a couple because we shared such a godly event together that I, come hell or high water, not even Satan himself is going to be able to break those bonds now. When you were talking, I um, I just put our verse that we like to 
say here at the Godcast, and you pretty much spoke it in your own in your own life testimony just now about your faith growing and what how it is is more than just believing right i love seeing ron smile as as i got he could see it, i i've noticed over the fact of doing some of the zooms with uh duncan and the guys that when when we get into i guess you call it our faith voice where things start to just be powerful and you exude the things you say the people around you tend to feel it as well they smile their eyes get wide and it kind of look it's kind of that look of astonishment but it's the astonishment they know is truth and it makes you feel so giddy inside when somebody is professing their faith so strong um in the morning prayer group i had a prayer probably a few weeks ago that um you once you're done with that prayer usually people will say amen when you're done with a prayer and um kim and dj and and uh jp all i got was a wow <laughs> and i'm like damn right hook to the jaw that one was all that one wasn't me yeah i love it and those amazing prayers are absolutely awesome. Well, it's the frequency and the resonance. I mean, you can even, mm. even across this technology, you know, we're conquering that. I mean, I think the devil uses this technology enough, but, you know, God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. First John. Amen. Four, four. Amen. So, Amen. Well, you always got to put it simple. We wouldn't have, we had in creation, we were given our breath and our mind. And there is nothing God cannot get into in any way, shape, or form, and no information that He can't put out there. I mean, look at scripture. When you talk about that Bible, that beautiful, beautiful book that the time between Genesis and Revelation and how it was all put together in that specific order with that much cohesion, not even a German geneticist could have figured that out with a nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, God certainly had his hand in it. I, I just was saying that the other day to somebody about, cause you know, there's all these controversies and different things about, you know, the Bible and then, canonization canonization and the apocrypha and all this other stuff but you know i just feel like god has his hand on everything and oh, you yeah. just have to trust no that doubt. so i mean it's a simple understanding too i mean i can go into it i've read the apocrypha and i've read excerpts from other books that were excluded and studied um a lot of books based on the Dead Sea Scrolls and things like that. And the, I, I mean, if you have with the Apocrypha in there, it does answer a few questions because it. I have individuals that if it's not biblically scriptural, it's not right. But on my desk right now, I have my family Bible in 1868, King James, and that is a Bible correct 
Well, inside that Bible is the Apocrypha, and I have read it. Yeah, gives you some explanations, some ideas, other parts of Scripture and the life. But I, I have battles with people who are uh, canon-specific or um, document-specific, and it's my, – my final straw with them is two things. One, if you feel it in your heart – and you feel it in your soul, it's probably right. And when I deal with some of the atheists in my life, my last statement to them is, well, if this book, as you call it, is not true, I have only wasted a lifetime of my existence on earth. But if my book, my Bible, is true i feel so sorry for you because you have wasted an eternity and in your understanding of science which is bigger a lifetime or an eternity and i get that big wide-eyed look and i i know i sit here in the back of my mind and go thanks god you just let me plant another one now it's all yours mm -hmm. yeah yeah i can't do anymore <laughs> yeah because it's that like that old adage too, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink yeah. until he's ready to drink. Because it took me, oh, what, I'm 44 now, 45, something like that. It took me, <laughs> took me 39 and a half years to figure out what my purpose was on this planet. And it took a very good friend of mine, a very spiritual individual, to give me that realization that God gave him. Because I looked at him and I go, dude, I am having such a struggle and my prayers aren't being answered in the way that I want them to be answered. So what's the deal? What is my purpose on this earth? And he goes, okay, let's go back through your life and figure it out. So what is your first passion in life? I said, my grandfather, I always loved helping him in the garden, learning how to can, helping him as much as possible. So what's your second passion in life? Well, with that garden came culinary arts. I, I went to school to learn how to cook. And what'd you do with that skill? I go, well, I cook food for people. Okay. So what was your next passion in life? Well, I had kids join the military. Um, and he goes, well, kids is a good one. We'll get back to that one in a moment. So what would you do in the military? Uh, two and a half deployments. And I went through my whole spiel with him. And he goes, um, okay, so are you starting to get the realization yet? Um, he goes, so now what do you do in your current life? And I sat here, well, I'm a mechanical engineer. And I'm a service technician. And I love helping people fix their furnaces or rebuild things or this, that, and the other. And he goes, can you put the pieces together? Cause I sure can right now. I, I can tell you what you're put on this planet to do. And I sat here with all of the understanding and I go, I just don't see it. And he goes, okay, I guess I'm supposed to explain it to you. Then your military is service. Your food industry is service. Your children you are in service to them to raise them. 
your heating and air technology, you're in service. You were put on this planet to serve, to protect, to be a defender of those who cannot defend themselves. And those who do not know the information you have, you are supposed to help them with the information and knowledge you've been given. And I'm like, took me 39 years and you <laughs> to give me that? Yeah. But it, it's the biggest simple fact that we're not given all of the information we need when we want it. Well, and God I has have, a plan, I, right? Yeah, I've honestly, I've honestly been praying the last 10 years God, show me my purpose in this fight. Tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, it took a good friend of mine who is very spiritual himself to look me in the face and go, your life has been nothing but service every step of it. That's yeah. what you're supposed to do. That's what you are doing. If you wanted an answer, God through me just gave it to you. Take it <laughs> at what it's worth. Last week we had um, Rebecca on and she mentioned that too about your whole life. That was one of the points we really liked too, is that your whole life is in preparation for your calling. And if you feel yeah. like you're just, you've missed it, you, you have to look at your whole life being in preparation for your calling. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my, my grandfather gave me two and a half. One of them wasn't his. And one of them became a movie reference, which I'm quite surprised that he would state that before the movie even came out. So my grandfather told me at the beginning of, I asked him a question, what should I do with my life? And he goes, there's three rules you need to follow. One, you treat each other or you treat everyone as you want to be treated. If you don't like something being done to you, don't do it to others. Number two is mother is the word for God on the lips of all children. She should be treated as such. My grandfather told me that back in the early 90s, and that was an exact excerpt from Brandon Lee in The Crow. He said those exact words, and I'm like, uh, that's got to oh. be a God oh. thing. Oh. And it, it, it was seriously, it was verbatim. And the last one my grandfather gave me is throughout your life, strive to be a jack of all trades and a master of none because mastery of anything creates envy from others and you don't want to be a magnet. Yeah, that's good. Good points. And it's lived me pretty well my whole life. And I, there's so much love in this heart that I, I can't get rid of it fast enough. Well, thank you, Eric, for coming on here and sharing your story. And um, I know at some points, it, you know, you put yourself in a vulnerable position. But like I always say, it's the most bravest thing you can ever do is be vulnerable with somebody you trust. And so we thank you for that. And Thank you for sharing about your faith and and you do i know you said you don't particularly like to be referred to as shining but you do shine with the with the love of christ so that's the truth so thank you yes. thank you for um letting us get our verse in there too for salvation that was pretty that was a god thing too i think yes thank you eric well, thank you I, so much right at the beginning it was a god thing the way 
I was urged to put my testimony out there again. I mean, there's, I, I'm starting to learn the subtle pushes and hints in the back of my mind, that calm, still voice. And yeah. when it pops up, I, I, I pray every day that I get to hear it more and more and louder and louder because when that lion comes back, it's going to be extremely loud. And I want to have preconceived knowledge of that, not to be smacked in the face with a roaring lion coming down from the skies. Well, thank you. Yes, Eric, there's one comment I want to read to you. It's from DJ Shaw. She says, Father forgives when you lay your burdens at the foot of the cross. You are loved very much. And I know you weren't, didn't have an opportunity to look at chat while you're giving your testimony, but an outpouring of love for you, brother, is here in this community. Um, oh, I, every I guest that we had has poured out some love for you. Every every guest in live chat has 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 given their love to you. Every single one of them. Oh, I absolutely love my God family. They are next to Christ. They are my rock and my foundation and my support system and. It was such a blessing the the to add a little bit more to it before we rock out is I, I told JP um, this story a couple days ago and I said, you know what? Kelly and I were going at Bard's Fest. We decided to go take a shower and I got that little voice in the back of my head, that little nudge to go hang out with uh, Robin and Matt and JP and Philip and uh the other mat and the other mat that it was the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life because those people have become one of the greatest things that's happened in my life. Awesome. That's awesome. We just, we just got a Eric's the man for Matt and Hev. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, our admin. Love man. you, Matt. I am a man, but I'm not the man. <laughs> Love how humble you are. You could definitely hang out with me. Thank you again, Eric. Thank you a million for coming on the Godcast. We appreciate you uh, for stepping it's in and telling awesome. your testimony. It's it will definitely be a blessing. As long as it touches one, that's all I can ask. And it will. It will bear fruit because that's what it does. Because the one is why we're here. That's right. Right, right, Ron. That's right. I've opened up the call-in feature. So please, if if you're here listening, if you're here live in chat, and you're unsaved, please call in. You know, um, Romans ten thirteen says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's all you got to do. It's real easy. If you like what God has done in Eric's life, and you want that for yours as well, please call in now. Don't hesitate. And I'm going to read Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. If you're listening to this on the replay and you need someone to pray with you, please get in touch with Mary and myself. You can reach us at this is an official godcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Telegram. 
also on Telegram. If you're looking for the right words, you can find our Telegram page at This Is An Official Godcast, and we have our prayer of surrender there if you're looking for the words. And we look forward to hearing from you. Mary, a couple of announcements that we missed. I just want to give uh, people an opportunity just to know what is ahead. Yes. Uh, next week, there's a gentleman by the name of David Gribble. Yes. And he, some of the people here in the community know him as Footloose. And he's uh, the owner of a business press, Patriots for Prosperity, I think it is. And he actually was on Kilted Christian not too long ago and talking about um, finances and the kingdom. Very nice. So he will be, um, I, we got that connection through Nathan um, Moonwolf. Um, he had connected with him in Kentucky. And so Mooney. Um, I believe David is also from Kentucky. So nice. Um, he's going to come on on the 5th. And then on the 12th, we have, insert your name here, whoever that is, <laughs> whoever that is, insert your name. <laughs> and then we got DJ Shaw. Yes, on the 19th. All the way from Michigan. Yes. I'm excited. Yes. Love my Michiganders. Yes. Uh, which mm -hmm. reminds me, I uh, just got an email from Matt from Michigan. For anyone listening that's in Michigan, uh, please get a hold of Matt, Mich Matt from Michigan. He's uh, doing all organic pigs if, if you're in, and they're going to be ready in June. So if you want to put your order in now, please do so, or they'll be all out. You'll miss out. So get in touch with Matt in Michigan if you want some all organic, tasty pigs. Yum, yum. Yes. For my Michigan friends here. Hi, Matt. <laughs> if you're listening, hello. Love you, brother. And um, for our prayer tonight, yeah, we had I, a Kitty to Karen, Karen. prayer request. Yeah, yep, her friend Cheryl. We got a prayer jar. She gave me a little, uh, yeah, we can't forget the prayer jar this time. We forgot the prayer jar last week. I didn't tell nobody. I thought that was going to be our secret. You let it out. But I did pray. I mean, it wasn't on air at the show time. We're not going to forget this time because I have it right out smack dab in front of me. That's right. And I've added a name here that we talked about earlier. And then, yeah, yeah, like you said, Karen's friend Cheryl will pray about her. And she did send me some background information. I wasn't able to read all of it, Karen, um, but I did get kind of the gist of it. So, and God knows, you know, the Lord knows. He knows more than we do even. So, amen to that. Yeah, I think that's it. So, if we want to do want to pray, we can pray. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for um, this time that we've had together. And that's that's not like Carol Burnett, Lord. <laughs> Just said a thought of her. <laughs> Maybe you, maybe Holy Spirit just put that in my mind right now, but I do thank you, Lord, for the time we've had together and that um, we're able to just thank you for the technology. Even, you know, sometimes if it doesn't work, work right, thank you for the technology. Thank you for coming through even at the last minute when we need things kind of fixed. Thank you for bringing us all here safely so we can talk about 
you and what you've done in Eric's life. And Lord, I just ask for a blessing to be poured upon Eric and his family and his kids and um, the people that he works with, everyone that surrounds him, Lord. I just pray that they will just see, they'll see the light in Eric. And they'll, they'll want to know what that's about. So, Lord, I ask that you give him the words to speak in those situations and that you are able to open his eyes and his ears to hear that and to be able to step into any situation. You have already given him such courage and boldness, Lord. And you have, like we talked about tonight, you've prepared him in so many different ways throughout his life for what's ahead. And Lord, thank you for, um, you know, even the things that he shared tonight, Lord, I, I, I just, um, Holy Spirit, just reassure him, even in this very moment, I know that he already knows he's been forgiven. But Lord, I just ask for an extra portion of grace to just be put upon Eric right now, and that he will feel so confident and so joyful that he actually shared all this tonight, and that he'll feel even more confident that you have forgiven him and you've set him on a new path. There's a verse, Lord, in uh, somewhere in Isaiah, I'll have to look it up afterwards, about setting a new path before us. There's a new, You're doing a new thing and you're setting a new path before us. So, Lord, I, I pray for that path for Eric. I pray his family and his wife and everyone that he knows will just be led upon that path by you, Lord, that they'll be looking to you. Continue to give Eric that humble heart that he has and that joy that he has every time he speaks of you, Lord. You can see him light up. And thank you for bringing him here tonight to share and to be so open. And I pray for that boldness and Openness to openness to be with all of us, Lord, that you would give us that sense of boldness to be able to share share things, Lord, with the people that we trust and that that you work in it. We know that you're working in it. And Lord, I lift up Karen's friend Cheryl and what she's going through and um the relationships that she's in, Lord, that they would just be peaceful, forgiving, more solid. I pray for, for provision for Cheryl. I pray for confidence for Cheryl in her relationship with you, Lord. If, if she knows you or if she doesn't know you, Lord, I pray for an, just Holy Spirit, just come upon her in a way, even in her struggle, that she would reach out to you, Lord. And to show her that you're there and that she's not alone. Lord, give Karen even more of the grace and compassion and the words that you so often give her for others. Lord, I pray for any situation that she finds in conversation with Cheryl, that she would be able to give your light and your truth, that she'd be able to show Cheryl that you are the light, you're the way, the truth, and the life. And that no matter what she's going through in any relationships here on earth, Lord, that her relationship with you is the most important. 
And thank you for Karen's heart that she reached out for her. We could all just use so much of that, Lord, of our friends being willing to step in and pray for us. So thank you, Lord. I also want to lift up Jim. We, we lift him up every week. It doesn't, doesn't get old with me, Lord. Even as time goes on when we lose our kids, and that happens, you know, life goes on and the world keeps moving around. But many times when you're in a grief situation, I know my friend Becky, she's listening tonight. She's lost a daughter too. And that sometimes later on it gets a little harder because maybe parts of you feel like it's kind of been forgotten, but it's not forgotten. And so we lift up Jim to you right now. We lift up his family, his relationships, his his new podcast that it's um, not his new podcast, but a new restart and that how you're leading him in a direction that you've already prepared him for. You've already prepared him his whole life for that calling. So thank you, Lord. And as long as I'm thinking here, Becky, I want to lift her up too. And I know these holidays are a hard time without our kids. And I, I'm without mine too. But when it's more permanent, when you're grieving over that kind of situation, it can be so difficult. So just let her know that she's loved. And I'm so thankful for her being in my life. She's an awesome friend to me. And I want to lift up other relationships of people. And I lift, I just want peace, Lord. Just bring peace over relationships. And where there's strife, Lord, I ask for everyone to see each other and through your eyes, Lord. And that we all can have a compassion for each other. I lift you guys up. You know who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Thank you so much. And Eric, thank you again for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure to have you here. It has been such a blessing. And thank you, guys. It, this is... The Godcast is not only for me been a huge blessing, but being able to listen to everybody else's lives. And within this group, we all get to understand that we're not alone, that yes. we have our Savior, we have our Father, and the Holy Spirit being able to push us out to do the things we are uncomfortable with doing and giving us the capability of being impacts in others' lives. And I want to thank you too for what you have done because it is such an inspiration. It has been an inspiration for us all to branch out and be part of creating something that hopefully has the capability of bringing that one mm -hmm. he leaves the 99 for just the one and i'm glad that i'm one 
I'm glad, Ron, that you are one. And Mary, you are such a beautiful one. <laughs> Beautifully said. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you. Yeah. We always wonder. We talk about that. Okay. What's the what's the outcome of this God cast? But we're just we're just amazed at how God works in it. And a lot of times not in that we had thought, but it is. Right. That's, that's the way it goes when you make plans, right? That's right. <laughs> we should have known better. Well, I know. <laughs> it, it, it's beautiful to see the great mystery that God is within yeah. our own lives. Yeah. And now that I'm getting stronger and stronger in it, I have a desire and a want and a need for others to have that desire and want and need because it is so free. And this is my um, simple God plug. Like we talked earlier, if you want the feeling of freedom and safety, he's the only one to give it to you. Yeah. Because you're not going to find it in the people around you. They are going to be your, how would you put it, um, temporary enjoyment. But to have, the enjoyment that Christ brings to your life for an eternity is amazing. Yeah. Well, Ron, what's that famous thing you always say at the end of every show? I don't know if people have noticed that, but there is a famous thing. It's not so Ron famous, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's, it's very true. <laughs> My dearest friends, let us not forget. We are here for <laughs> one reason and one reason only, and that is to spread the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please... Get out there in the streets. Tell somebody your testimony. Do it today. Yeah. All right. We got just enough time for half a song. So if the song cuts out, just know that Podbean cuts us out at two hours. So we, we just got a couple minutes left. So um, we'll play the beginning of the song. You might not hear the end. You might not hear us say goodbye at the end. So if, if you miss us, goodbye, everybody. We love you. Goodbye. We love you. <laughs> in red How you leave the 99 To find the one missing Feels like that was written With me on your mind And the prodigal son who ran Leaving his home behind the part where the father came running to meet him did you say that with me on your mind who am i that the king of the world would give one single thought about my broken heart who am i that the god of all grace wipes the tears from my face and says come as you are you paid the price you took the cross you gave your life and you did it all with me on your mind
Just knowing you call me your child is flooding my soul with unspeakable hope. Thank you, Lord, that is me on your mind. Who am I that the King of the world would give one single thought about my broken heart? Who am I that the God of all grace wipes the tears from my face and says, Come as you are? You paid the price, you took the cross, you gave your life, and you did it all with me on your mind. Live with me on your mind. in red of a heavenly home on high you're preparing a place where the sorrows erased and when i stand before you i'll find all along it was me All right. Thank you so much, everybody. We love you, and we'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Podbean. I knew he'd make it through.